Today's episode is brought to you by Sarah Krasnostein's The Believer, Encounters with the Beginning, the End, and Our Place in the Middle, which James Glick calls deeply beautiful and never simple. Through six profiles of a death doula, of a geologist who believes the world is 6,000 years old, of a lecturer in neurobiology who spends his weekends ghost hunting, of the fiancé of a disappeared pilot and UFO enthusiast, of a woman incarcerated for killing her husband after suffering years of domestic violence, and of Mennonite families in New York. Krasnstein takes readers on an unforgettable tour of the human condition that explores our universal need for belief to help us make sense of life, death, and everything in between. Says Alex Marzano-Lesnovich, if reading a book can make you more human, The Believer does just that. The Believer is out now from Tin House. Today's conversation with Alejandro Zambra is a dream come true for me. As a longtime lover of his work, preparing for this conversation was extra gratifying as it prompted me to discover his nonfiction, his book, Not to Read, from Fitzgeraldo Editions, and how much his nonfiction and fiction are in conversation. And also to find myself loving his new book, his new novel, Chilean Poet, the one we focus on today, perhaps more than any other. I can't speak for Alejandro, but for me, it felt like we had an immediate rapport, an ease at finding a place to talk about literature in a way that I normally associate with longtime friends. You definitely get the distinct sense of his lifelong love of words and writing and the communities that emerge from this world of writers. And I'm excited to share this with you today. I'm also excited to have a guest on about a book that was not written in English because each time this happens, not as much as I would like, it gives me an opportunity to talk with their translator for the bonus audio archive. The archive in its own right, I think, is a great incentive to become a listener supporter between the covers, with everything from readings to craft talks. But the translator conversations may be the greatest reason to do it, because they are long-form conversations, entire episodes in and of themselves, And today's bonus conversation is with Megan McDowell, who not only has translated Zambra since his second book, but also translates Mariana Enriquez, Samantha Schweblin, Alejandro Jodorowsky, and Lena Merwane, who came on the show years ago now for her book, Seen Red. To learn more about the bonus audio archive and the other potential benefits of becoming a listener supporter of Between the Covers, of which there are many, head over to patreon.com slash between the covers. And now for today's conversation with Alejandro Zambra. These stories are about the id unleashed. They're about the wildness contained in all of us. I think stories kind of have some kind of magical effect in the world. I think it's really hard to live without stories. And if somebody tells you, like, this is the way you're going to end up, you're lucky if you can forget that. You know, there's me, and then there's writer guy me, and then there's me working, which is the absence of me. It's just story. 
had no idea how to write a novel, didn't know if it would ever come to fruition, was working at a vet and kind of lint rolling puppy hair and cat dander off myself. They're almost like really shy animals. They will come out of the woods, but you have to stay very still and you have to pretend like you're not interested in them. Artists tend to like put their fingers in the wounds in the silences. I believe in the role of literature as a, as a, as a catalyst for dialogue and, and, and new forms of, of thinking. All the stuff I'm interested in is thrown into the washing machine that is my brain and it's put on spin. Good morning and welcome to Between the Covers. I'm David Naiman, your host. Today's guest is Chilean novelist, short story writer, essayist, and poet Alejandro Zambra. Zambra studied at the Instituto Nacional General José Miguel Carrera and the University of Chile, where he graduated with a degree in Hispanic literature. On scholarship, he pursued an MA in Hispanic Studies in Madrid, and upon returning to Chile, a doctorate in literature from Pontifical Catholic University. For many years, he worked as a literary critic for the newspaper La Tercera, and was a professor at the School of Literature at Diego Portales University in Santiago. He now lives in Mexico City with his partner, novelist and essayist, Jasmina Barrera, who also has a book coming out this year, Linea Nigra, an essay on pregnancy and earthquakes from Two Lines Press. Zambra is the author of two books of poems, Bahia Inutil and Mudanza, and a collection of essays, No Layer which was published by Fitzcarraldo Editions as Not to Read, but Zambra is best known for his fiction. His debut novel, Bonsai, was awarded the Critic of Chile Award and the National Council of Reading and Books Award, both for Best Novel of 2006. Two years later, it was a finalist for Best Translated Book of the Year, and soon Zambra was on all the lists. He was selected as one of Granta's Best of Young Spanish Language Novelists, and is one of the Bogota 39, a list of the best Latin American writers under the age of 39. His other novels include The Private Lives of Trees and Ways of Going Home, which won the Altazor Prize, was selected by the National Book Council as the best Chilean novel published in 2012, and won an English Pen Award. He's also the author of the unclassifiable book Multiple Choice, written in the form of a standardized test named a Best Book of the Year by NPR, The Guardian, and The Irish Times, as well as the equally acclaimed short story collection, My Documents. His stories have appeared in The New Yorker, The Paris Review, Harper's, Tin House, and McSweeney's. And he's here today to talk about his latest novel, entitled Chilean Poet, and translated like most of the books mentioned by Megan McDowell. Kirkus Review calls Chilean Poet a playful, discursive novel about families, relationships, poetry, and how easily all three can come together or fall apart. A book that renders both the small moments of literary striving and the everyday difficulties of being part of and raising a family with an insight that's both clear-eyed and tender. Samantha Schweblin adds, his clever irony, his light-hearted yet powerful prose, his gift for capturing this life that passes through and yet still escapes us, everything Zambra has already put into practice in his novellas and short stories explodes with vitality in Chilean poet. Contemporary, beautiful, brilliant. Rivka Galchin adds, 
Every beat and pattern of being alive becomes revelatory and bright when narrated by Alejandro Zambra. Valeria Luiselli concurs by saying, when I read Zambra, I feel like someone's shooting fireworks inside my head. And finally, Rodrigo Frezan says, Chilean poet is intelligent and funny and moving and profound. It's been a long time since I've laughed so hard or been so moved by a novel. Welcome to Between the Covers, Alejandro Zambra. Thank you, David. Thank you for this invitation. So both you and your partner, Hasmina, have books coming out this year that engage with becoming a parent. And I imagine that you were working on this book either in anticipation of becoming a father to your now four-year-old son or during the early years of fatherhood. But what I'm curious about is in doing so, in writing Chilean Poet, which among other things is very much about raising a boy, why at the same time that you yourself were becoming a father, your character is becoming a stepfather. <laughs> and and I, ha- I have a theory, but before, okay. I, before I give you my theory, I just want to hear what, what the impulse was to make the relationship one that is harder to define than father than son. I, I would like to, to hear your theory. And I think it, it should be much better than mine. But uh, <laughs> I, I have to say that I've been um, interested in step-parenthood for, for many years and because, uh, because of many reasons. But uh, I think all, all contemporary discussions are in some way about uh, legitimacy and belonging and step-parents deal with this problem all the time. Um, it is such a special um, and challenging uh, kind of relationship. Um, and it's hard to explain the position of, of a stepfather or of a stepmother, you know? Um, you just fall in love with someone who already has a child. So uh, you find yourself um, in an, an unexpected position, an ambiguous position. Um, and then the relationship with the child uh, uh, will tend to grow and you start wondering what is going to happen if your relationship with their biological parent ends. So uh, I think um, you, 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 could, you could explain uh, 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 adoptive uh, parenthood uh, very easily. I mean, there are abandoned uh, childs and, and someone takes care of them. So, so that, that's easy to understand. Um, but uh, what is in between, you know? Um, you, you are always dealing with this big question, what, what is going to happen? And you don't relate to kids to, to, to abandon them. You know, so it, it is true. <laughs> I, I wrote this novel, uh, which is uh, about Chile. Um, and while, while I was living in Mexico, I started living in Mexico six years ago, no, five years ago. Um, and this novel has nothing to do with Mexico. Um, also, it is a novel I wrote while I was becoming a biological father, and it's about uh, 
uh, a different kind of fatherhood. So I think uh, it, it, it was good, uh, mm-hmm. that movement um, from the little room I was writing and, and the apartment. Uh, I, 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 I used to think in a different way about things I, I have just written, you know? So I think um, your theory is better. Please tell me your theory. <laughs> well, it might not be, I think it might be related and maybe you can tell me whether you think it's related or whether it's different and also whether it's wrong of course. But it seems to me like one of the strong through lines that connects not only your fiction but also your fiction and your non-fiction is the notion of secondary characters that your parents generation in Chile their story whether they were torturers or whether they were tortured or whether they were the people who looked away, their story was worthy of novels. And your generation were the secondary characters within your parents' story. But we also see this show up in many different ways. Um, You say that to pass literary exams in Chile, it is important to focus on learning about the secondary characters in books because there are always test questions about them. And your nonfiction literary criticism it often focuses not on secondary writers necessarily, but certainly less iconic and well-known ones. You're not writing a lot on Neruda or Mistral or Raul Zurita, but more on this overshadowed secondary world, perhaps. And we definitely see these quote-unquote secondary poets a lot in your new book. But even when you write about someone well-known, say Bolaño, you write mostly about his lesser-known writings, his poetry. And even when you're doing literary criticism, say when you're writing about Natalia Ginsburg's book, Family Lexicon, you admire how she displaces the primary story, which is the story of a Jewish anti-fascist family that lives through horror and only partly survives it, with a secondary story, her love for the people, the grousing of the father, the mother's humor, the lost language of the community. And similarly, you've described the writing of your first book, Bonsai, in this way. I didn't want to write a novel, but rather the summary of a novel, a bonsai of a novel. Borges's advice was to write as if composing the summary of a book that was already written. That's what I did, or what I tried to do, summarize the secondary scenes of a non-existent book. So I guess I wonder if this position of your generation and this question of how to write literature from this position, one of secondary characters, if that might partially be behind the impulse to in a way make the father in Chilean poet a secondary sort of father. to, to put him in a position of that questions his primacy in fatherhood. Well, I, I love your theory. And, <laughs> and I agree. Um, I mean, my, my writing comes from exposure to poetry, basically. Even I think when, when I am put in the position of talking about this, fiction, non-fiction um, discussion. 
I think, uh, well, um, this is something I haven't, I haven't thought about. Uh, I mean, because, you know, the relationship between poetry and fiction, I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't say I, I know what the difference is. I, I, I was reading, for example, like 20 years ago, uh, Robert Browning and Alfred Tennyson, uh, the dramatic monologue, for example, that that uh, creates uh, a, a poetry that that it is explicitly related to fiction, and 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 then I don't know, it's Rapound and even Chilean poets like Nicanor Parra are on that tradition, and and they are dealing with with uh, with this idea that poetry is confessional, you know, which is a, a prejudice by, by many critics, I think, uh, big critics, critics I, I love, like, uh, I don't know, Bakhtin, for example, Mikhail Bakhtin uh, didn't like poetry because uh, he thought uh, it, it was like a confession, like a first person um, confession, and obviously, simplifying his ideas but uh, for him the novel was like the, the thing the, the real thing because uh, it created a dialogue a real dialogue that that, that was really uh, um, representing the world in, in, in its complexity uh, but all poetry 20th century poetry uh, deals with that idea and, and 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 it is against the idea that a poem is, is, is like a confession, you know? If you think about Fernando Pessoa, for example, mm-hmm. uh, just like, like a literal example of this. Um, so I don't know what, what I was talking about. Sorry. Well, <laughs> let, let's take this, this hard-to-define relationship into the, into the level of language, and specifically Spanish language, because there's this great scene in the book when Gonzalo, the stepfather, and Vincente, the the stepson, are in the grocery store and are sort of someone inquires who they are to each other, and clearly friend isn't the right answer, but neither is stepfather because in Spanish it has a different connotation than in English yeah. or French. Like in in English, it's kind of I think neutral, but in French, for instance, beau-père is is beautiful father. Um, but in Spanish, it's, it's apparently quite, I don't know if nasty, but it seems like it has a real dark connotation to it. It's a bad word. It's like an insult. Yeah. Talk to us, talk to us about Padrastro. Yeah. I think that that scene is where the novel started. Uh, I, I thought about that scene. Something slightly similar happened to me. And, and, and then I thought about this, um, not having a name, not, not having a role, or, or having a role but not having a name. And, and I thought about this word, padrastro. Um, actually, my, my second novel is, is, is also uh, about that in a way. I mean, The Private Lives of Trees, the, the, the main character is, is a padrastro too, is a stepfather. Uh, but uh, I, I haven't thought of, about this word that way until I... I thought about this um, uh, complicated uh, 
issue uh, with, with with naming you know and and there are many families where people don't 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 use and don't use any word it's like uh, your 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 name i mean and, and he's pablo she's marcela and, and, and that's it uh, you avoid the word because in Spanish and, and in many languages, it is a bad word, uh, pejorative. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's a word that uh, even means uh, something bad, bad father. One one of the definitions of padrastro in Spanish is bad father, but it is the, the only word we have. So I was like, what does this mean? This prejudice um, and. As I was telling you, uh, I think uh, all discussions are about uh, legitimacy and parents are facing uh, legitimacy. Stepfathers, padrastros are, are facing this from the very beginning. Like they, they, they start the game losing it, you know, and they have to do something with this world and, and decide whether to use it or not, or, or maybe to create a new world. So I was like, this is, kind of, of the problem of the poet, you know? Uh, poets are dealing with words every day and nobody seems to notice. They are, they are dealing with the poem. They are deciding uh, important things uh, about each word of the poem. Uh, and, and this seems to be an invisible word, work, you know? It's not that People would get that. I remember this beautiful um, speech by Biswaba Timborska, the, the Polish um, poet, uh, who says like, uh, uh, the, the worst movie is, is a movie about a poet, a poet writing, <laughs> because uh, she might uh, write uh, two lines and, and then erase them and, and then would write uh, five verses uh, and, and would, would work many days uh, with this five verses and, and, and would, would try to get to something. So, so she says like, no, no, nobody is, is going to, to watch that movie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and in a way, um, that's why, uh, uh, the poet and the padrastro and the, step, the stepfather um, became one character uh, to me. Um, also, the, the, the word poet, I think in English, uh, also happens that it's more, more like, a, it's not exactly, a, or it's not only a noun, it, it's an adjective too. Uh, it's like a poet, you're a poet. You are a poet of of of, of literature. <laughs> that means that means you are good at it. Right. Uh, you are you are a poet of soccer. You know you 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 are really good. You are inspired, and, and so there is something about the word poet that it is also uh, related to legitimacy. Uh, if you if you happen to read a, a a bad poem, you say, "Oh, this is not a poet." No. Uh, the person who wrote this is not a poet. <laughs> so you are denying uh, this person the, the condition of, of, of that, that scene that you mentioned, it, it's not the first signal of the novel, but, but in, in my head was, was, was the first one. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's crucial to the book that he's also a poet struggling with language. 
Um, I mean, is it true? Because there's a section of the book in English that's called Step Poet. Uh, and I'm a, I'm guessing that in Spanish that must be poetrastro or poetastro. Uh, we we change the the some of some of the titles. Uh, so in in Spanish here it is familiastra. Okay. Which is which is which is like a step family. Step family. Or bad. But, uh, or bad it's family. not the same because as you as you said. Uh, uh, it sounds uh, normal in, in, in English. Yeah. Familiastra is a word that, that doesn't even exist. I use it in, in this novel a lot, uh, but uh, that word doesn't exist, uh, familiastra. But it would suggest um, a bad family, possibly. Like a family-ish or something like that, yeah. I don't know. Uh, but uh, Megan found this uh, uh, great solution, like... Uh, like um, um, what? What's exactly the the title she used? I think she used step poet. Oh, step poet. Yeah, yeah, step poet. But it, <laughs> but it's interesting that padrastro means can mean bad father. It can mean it can mean obstruction or impediment, and it can mean yeah. hangnail, which I thought was hilarious. But that the suffix you can use for like you used for familia. Um, you can use the suffix as a negative connotation on something, but but when you when you talk about Gonzalo, our, our padrastro and and poet, um, and he's somebody who's an aspiring poet, he's obviously struggling to uh, find language to create art, and at the same time struggling to find language to understand his relationship with his stepson. There's the difficulty of understanding your relationship to your stepson while you're with the mother, because especially not just because there isn't language or there isn't friendly language, but also there's no traditions. There's no cultural tradition or lineage of of padrastros to to use as the way to be one. Um, but it's even more difficult if all of a sudden you are no longer with the mother of the sun. Um, and so he's struggling in two ways around language, but one of the ways he's struggling around constructing a sense of, of self and belonging and legitimacy is being a poet within the poetry world because he has a very common name. And so he decides he's going to find a pseudonym which has a long tradition in um, in Chilean poetry. Um, he wants to find a pseudonym that will um, give him legitimacy and place and belonging and language to it. So I was hoping maybe we could hear that part of the book, um, which to me is very endearing and self-deprecating and funny in a way that I think really captures the tone of a lot of the book overall. Um, so we'll have you read it in Spanish, and then we'll get Megan to read it in English. Oh, that's great. Okay. La idea de adoptar un seudónimo le sonaba crucilona y desagradable, pero se sentía obligado, porque aunque solo había leído unos poemas sueltos de Gonzalo Rojas, que encontró magníficos por lo demás, estaba al tanto de que era uno de los poetas chilenos más reconocidos en el mundo, 
De hecho, acababa de ganar el Premio Nacional de Literatura y otro premio parece que bien importante en España. El nombre estaba entonces ocupado y la opción de usar el apellido de su madre, Muñoz, tampoco servía porque había otro poeta, harto menos conocido que Gonzalo Rojas, pero bendecido por una misteriosa aura vanguardista llamado Gonzalo Muñoz. La posibilidad de afirmar como Gonzalo Rojas Muñoz, en tanto, le sonaba demasiado a no soy ese Gonzalo Rojas. Era como admitir de antemano la derrota. Intentó seguir el modelo de Pablo de Roca, nacido Carlos Díaz Loyola, que había inventado un apellido que significaba algo por sí mismo, pero se le ocurrían puras payasadas como Gonzalo de Rota o Gonzalo de Más o Gonzalo de Rape, que igual le gustaba un poco. Se inclinó entonces por buscar un seudónimo en otros ecosistemas literarios, tal como en su momento hicieron Gabriela Mistral y Pablo Neruda, ganadores del premio Nobel, al fin y al cabo. Tras descartar las opciones más necias, Gonzalo Rambeau, Gonzalo Ginsberg, Gonzalo Pasolini, Gonzalo Pizarnik. Consolidó una lista corta con los seudónimos Gonzalo García Lorca, Gonzalo Corso, Gonzalo Gras, Gonzalo Lipo y Gonzalo Lee Masters, pero no consiguió decidirse por ninguno. Ya caía la noche cuando se le ocurrió el seudónimo Gonzalo Pessoa, que le permitía homenajear simultáneamente al poeta portugués Fernando Pessoa, a quien no había leído pero sabía que era genial, y al poeta chileno Carlos Pessoa Vélez, que le gustaba mucho. The idea of adopting a pseudonym was cheesy and unpleasant, but he felt obligated to do it, because although he had only read a few random poems by Gonzalo Rojas and found them magnificent, it must be said, he was aware that the man was one of the most renowned Chilean poets in the world, and in fact had just won the National Prize for Literature, plus another prize that was apparently very important in Spain. His name, then, was already taken, and the option of using his mother's last name, Muñoz, wouldn't work either, because there was another poet, much less well-known than Gonzalo Rojas, but blessed with an aura of vanguard and mystery, named Gonzalo Muñoz. And the option of signing his name as Gonzalo Rojas Muñoz, he thought, would be like saying, not that Gonzalo Rojas. It was like admitting defeat from the get-go. He considered following the example of Pablo de Roca, born Carlos Díaz Loyola, who had invented a last name that meant something on its own. But he could only come up with inanities like Gonzalo de Ville, or Gonzalo de Port, or Gonzalo de Claim, which he did like a little. Then he turned toward the option of finding a pseudonym in other literary ecosystems, as Gabriela Mistral and Pablo Neruda had done. After all, both had won the Nobel Prize. After ruling out the silliest options, Gonzalo Rimbaud, Gonzalo Ginsberg, Gonzalo Pasolini, Gonzalo Pizarnik, he consolidated a short list with the names Gonzalo García Lorca, Gonzalo Corso, Gonzalo Gras, Gonzalo Lipo, and Gonzalo Lee Masters but he couldn't decide on any one of them. Night was already falling when he thought of the pseudonym Gonzalo Pessoa, which would allow him to pay homage simultaneously to the Portuguese poet Fernando Pessoa, who he hadn't read but knew was great, and the Chilean poet Carlos Pessoa Vélez, who he liked a lot. 
We've been listening to Alejandra Zambra and Megan McDowell read from Chilean poets. I love that section. And I want to, I want to <laughs> touch on English a little bit. Um, since we're talking about pseudonyms, yeah. we're talking about you as a person when you are speaking English. And you said that when you've, when you've had to read in English, the words of Megan, your translator and your friend that reading them has felt like acting or imitating. That, yeah. Yeah. That some, yeah, totally. so, sometimes you'd forget while you were reading <laughs> um, that it was your book. And that sometimes when you would encounter people who didn't speak Spanish, but loved your books, presumably in English or other languages that you were really Megan's front man, um, that your name was on a book of, of Megan's, uh, of Megan's book. But I, I wanted to um, take this idea of this notion of secondary characters into this realm um, where, where you, you characterize yourself as Megan's front man, not the reverse. Cause you, you wrote this, wonderful piece for a chapbook called a table made again for the first time on Kate Briggs's this little art, a work by Kate Briggs, which is a meditation on translation. A great book. It I is. Love I love book. that book too. Love. Yeah. Mm. And your piece in there is called translating a person. And of course I read Megan's translation of that piece, <laughs> which is in there. Um, and it's about your history with this, secondary language of yours english i'm i'm presuming it's a sec it's your secondary language and maybe not your tertiary or, or <laughs> language but um we learn about the the gringo in your high school um how how your english teacher laughed at you when you used the word alimentation alimentation when you used the word <laughs> alimentation um, but the gringo later showed you in the dictionary that the word actually exists that your, your English teacher who, who uh, made fun of you was actually incorrect. But you also then talk about how English is sort of a, a patchwork of, of stolen phrases for you um, and often phrases that you've discovered in writing. So maybe you would see the word alimentation, even though most English speakers wouldn't use it uh, commonly, but you would find these phrases in poetry and prose, maybe even more than spoken English. And I love that you, you, your friends used the phrase speaking English as the um, phrase for getting drunk, <laughs> uh, which is great. Or that um, you yourself tried to improve your English by translating Emily Dickinson. Um, but what's most interesting, I guess, when we come back to Gonzalo and, and his, his trying to figure out these various possibilities for pseudonyms to join the poetry community under this other name is that you said when you were living and working in New York at the New York public library, that you realized that you could communicate just fine. If you accepted that you could never use your favorite words, that you couldn't play with tone with any meaningful facility, you couldn't crack jokes in a way that felt natural. And ultimately this was a chance to simply be a different person in English. Um, and I wondered if that was similar to how Gonzalo might feel um, if these are connected. This this question of like, what sort of person will Gonzalo invent becoming a stepfather, which has no rules? And, and similarly, 
what name of the many hilarious names he's considering is he going to put himself forward with with his fellow poets as the name that will sort of define him as this alternate persona within that world? Well, there are many things you just said that I would like to comment to comment. Uh, but I don't want to forget uh, to mention how grateful and happy I am uh, due to this um, campaign, like translators on the cover. Uh, translators' names are now in, in the right place, I think. And I'm, I'm very happy because this book has Megan's name for the first time on the cover. And and it's really the way it has to be, I think. And 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 yes, when I was living in New York, I <laughs> I, I sometimes I got invited to readings, and they expect expected me to to read in English, obviously. Uh, so I, I was like uh, uh, call, calling Megan, who was in Chile, and, and asking her, please, would you read this? Uh, would you record this? And then I was listening to it and imitating her directly because it's not really um, the same, obviously, speaking, talking, than, than, than reading aloud uh, a piece that, that has its own sense of rhythm, uh, and and of, when when you read aloud, obviously you have to control or, or have an idea about the vowels that are di really different, and, and there are many mistakes that uh, you don't want to happen. But at the same time, uh, it was uh, more uh, Megan when when she translates, she she gets a sense of rhythm uh, that uh, uh, I get. And, and that I love. And I wouldn't say that it's different than, than, than my sense of rhythm. I mean, it's, it's really similar. Um, but uh, I don't know how to say it, but it, she's playing uh, her own music. And, and, and it was amazing, like uh, hearing this, listening to this, uh, um, it, it flows in, in, a, in a very... Uh, in a very beautiful way, and and, and I was imitating it. <laughs> I, mean, mm -hmm. I, I I I was supposed to be the one who who wrote that, uh, but uh, I was directly imitating uh, the the way she uh, read uh, her own writing. I think, and it's really interesting uh, things related to. Translation are really interesting, and 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 that essay was a lot about uh, um, speaking a, a language you you don't really know, you know. I mean, um, I know Spanish. <laughs> I think uh, um, we we have this amazing uh, language that uh, is spoken in many ways, in many different ways. Uh, but we get to understand each other the whole time. I mean, the, the way we speak in Chile is different than the way they speak in Argentina or in or in Peru. I mean, uh, and, and and you can find small, beautiful uh, 
meaningful differences uh, between the way we speak. So you are learning a lot uh, inside uh, a language, uh, uh, the same language. And, and, and if you go to Spain, uh, there, is, there, is a, there are many differences and, and you feel them stronger and, and, and maybe you, 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 you deal with communication a little bit, uh, but you still get to understand the other person. What we use, we, we use many words that have uh, uh, different meanings, you know, but you don't, you only get to understand those meanings when, when, when some, when some little crisis or, or when, when some problem uh, comes up and it's really funny and at the same time we 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 read each other and we see those differences written in a short story in a novel so we are always like a kind of translating ourselves and i i, I really love that about the spanish and with english well <laughs> i've been reading english for for a long time and but it's, it's really different when I have to 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 talk uh, when I have to speak in front of an audience uh, when I when I'm when I have to speak like like now and and, and I know I, I am being recorded many 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 people in Chile and and I think in, in Latin America uh, never really studied English you know but uh, we 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 kind of uh, got it by listening to music, basically that, and, and movies, but but basically music, you know, and, and sometimes we were really enjoying uh, songs that we didn't know what were what they were about, you know. <laughs> it's very, it's not like like I, I like the Billie Jean example, you know. It's it's a really terrible uh, song if you if you pay attention to the lyrics. It's a very stupid song too, but uh, we were dancing it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we were enjoying it. So uh, I I I think uh, uh, this novel is also a little bit about translation, and and there is this character Bru uh, who uh, goes to Chile and. There, there is a big mistake, so she she she, she doesn't get to the place uh, she's supposed to get, and and then he she comes across these poets and and randomly she she happens uh, to to be writing uh, an article about the Chilean poetry, but she's not really into poetry, and she's not really into Chilean poetry. And, uh, and 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 she 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 speaks in she speaks Spanish she does speak Spanish but uh, uh, not the the, the Spanish uh, she 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 would have to speak uh, and, and to understand to get to read a poem which is obviously one of the m most uh, uh, hard things to this is this is <laughs> I, I, I when when you when you mentioned the the uh, uh, translating Emily Dickinson in order to to improve my English, <laughs> I, I I think uh, um, people would say like, what what what's this about? I mean, it's, it's really stupid. It's like the, the, really hard to 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 read Emily Dickinson. Yeah. But the thing is that the, we were 
<laughs> we were uh, reading Emily Dickinson in this uh, um, bilingual editions that were printed in Spain and, and, and those translations were done thinking of Spanish readers, Spaniards. Um, but, but those were the same books we, we were reading in, 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 in Chile. Uh, so we had the poem in English and the poem in Spanish, and, and we didn't really like uh, those translations, uh, um, or we did like them, but they were different than, than the way we would face them. Uh, so we, we started like, a, uh, <laughs> this is really um, stupid, but we started like correcting them without, without really knowing English. <laughs> so, but we started uh, correcting them like uh, using the language of poetry, I, I would say, like or, or trying to imagine uh, what Emily Dickinson would have, would have liked, uh, uh, would have uh, felt, and and uh, and that that that's how we <laughs> improved I love our English. Yeah. Um, I, I think. Um, uh, this is this is a very good example of of, of uh, um, failure because now I'm, I'm speaking this terrible English. But uh, this is why uh, 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 I don't know. Sometimes I, I used uh, certain words that 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 were not common, and and and, and sometimes I I, I I ignore very usual words. So my English was kind of uh, of um, weird. <laughs> Well, let's let's stay with failure and translation and language a little longer, because when you were when you spoke in Belgium, I learned from your interviewer there that the Dutch translation of the book is almost a father. And that interviewer was suggesting that maybe that was a better title, almost a father. And you said definitely not a better title. (laughs) Um, and I want to go into the title that you do have, but I'm. But for now, I want to talk about a title, a secondary title that you considered, um, which I think connects us to what we are talking about. You said that one of the titles you had in mind was, in English, The Repeaters, yes. uh, which is a reference to repeating a grade when you have failed academically. But repeating feels like something very important in your work to me, both formally and thematically as a whole. Um, and also I could, I think the repeaters could also be something about translation too, um, with oh, the, the repeated, the repeated book for one car, Carla and Gonzalo, the couple they're together when they're young, then they're apart for many years and then they're together again. Now she has a child. Um, and so Gonzalo is confronted with becoming a, a padrastro. Um, but then Gonzalo and, and Vincente, his stepson, they're together. And then when that relationship with Carla falls apart, they're apart. And then later on in the book, they, they, they repeat. They come back together. And even more, probably strikingly, I think, formally speaking, we see this in ways of going home. This... Um, narrative doubling, leaving and returning, um, or how in The Private Lives of Trees, a writer tells his stepdaughter a bedtime story that itself is called The Private Life of Trees. 
and the writer is writing a book about bonsai trees, just like you had just written and published. You, you were on this panel for the National Book Foundation that was supposed to be about Juan Rulfo. Oh, yeah. But because his family had trademarked his name, <laughs> I thought this was so strange. Because his family had trademarked his name, it had to be about something else. So they changed <laughs> the name, even though you had all agreed to come together to talk about Rulfo's work. And it became about the role of time. And Cristina Rivera Garza, she talked about not wanting to bring readers back to the past but instead to bring the past forward, which feels to her like what Rulfo does in Pedro Paramo. And you talked about how the word for time and the word for weather, tiempo, are the same word in Spanish. So for me, this idea of repetition, of this doubling back of time, or the repeaters, it feels like it's the weather of your work somehow. This, uh, this way you have with repetition. And I guess I want to hear more about leaving and returning or double narratives or maybe an argument for why The Repeaters is a good title or a bad title for the for <laughs> Chilean poet. Can you repeat your question? I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I really like your theories. And I think repetition uh, is a um, is a way of uh, feeling alive. I mean, uh, when you make the same mistake again, uh, I think uh, I think you learn. <laughs> um, it's important. Uh, things uh, happen twice on, or or three times and. When, when, when they try to make a, a, a movie out of a novel, they, they are always like simplifying because, uh, I don't know, I remember this uh, very good example with Madame Bovary. Uh, uh, okay, if you want to make a movie, well, Charles Bovary gets married twice, but uh, and, and, and they live in, in, in two small cities. So, so you you might simplify and 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 you might uh, lose uh, what repetition uh, creates inside you um, that um, maybe um, strong but at the same time um, oh i don't know how to say this because it's really complicated even in spanish but um, how you deal with the idea of having uh, an identity, you know? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think identities should be defined, but uh, uh, at the same time, um, I, I really like identity to be discussed over and over. I think when, when you say like, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm this, I'm this person and I belong to, to these people. Okay, that's beautiful. I love that. But uh, you cannot stop there. You should go beyond that and you should like uh, really think about what it means to have uh, uh, that certainty 
Um, and maybe uh, that would make you feel even more happy and, and that would make you to, to feel that, 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 you should, that you can struggle and, and that, that you can fight and, and that everything's going to be all right. I'm not, I'm not saying that this uh, dealing with identity would mean a, a, a perpetual crisis. You know, it's not about that. I mean, it, it's it's about uh, the moment when when I don't know self criticism. I think it it, it is it is uh, so important and in, in many levels. And obviously, uh, self criticism could be a problem too, and 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 could could uh, make you feel stuck or, or feel uh, bad. Uh, but uh, in, in a way, it, it is always an opportunity. And, and, and I really believe that. I mean, not, not in literature, in life. And, yeah. uh, it's, it's, a, it's important to have a, um, that window uh, where, where you, can, uh, you, can, you, can, you can really um, uh, see yourself from a certain distance. And... And, and to to make that distance uh, a sign of love, you know. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying it really well, but uh, do a good idea. <laughs> no, I do. I feel like the moments of self-criticism within your books are often also the mo- moments of humor and the moments of love. Um, but I want to stay with this question of distance because you mentioned you wrote this book in Mexico and it takes place in Chile and, and very much is about, you could call it a critically loving and humorous homage to the Chilean poetry scene and other things. But I suspect being in Mexico, imagining that you're raising a child who primarily speaks Mexican Spanish, though I'm guessing he also speaks Chilean Spanish also, of course, but, but within an ecosystem of Mexican Spanish, um, I think about something that you wrote about Chilean poet Enrique Lin, where you talk about his life, which was spent mostly abroad in Mexico and Spain, or at least largely ab- abroad in Mexico and Spain. And, and you say his poetry does not have the accent of those places. You say, quote, he makes one think of an imaginary country called Chile, one that rather than stripping away nationality, produces negatives of Chileans, absences of Chileans. And I was curious what the effect of writing from distance has had on your writing. If, if it doesn't have the accent of Mexico on it, has it allowed you to see certain things about Chile that maybe you wouldn't have seen if you wrote it in Santiago? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I have to say that I always like it. I, I I always hated the cliche of uh, you have to go somewhere else to really see your country. You know, uh, I always hated it. Uh, maybe because it was uh, I don't know, like uh, a snob uh, position. You know, you have to go somewhere else, maybe New York. <laughs> in order to see to really see your i don't i don't i don't i don't think that i i, I mean 
it's not that you have to 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 get a physical distance in order to to write about something but um, um there is something related to language that i i i i really i really care about maybe I, I, this is a contradiction but well um when, when i was living in new york for example my my, my chilean speech stayed the same because i was always switching and i i, I didn't i didn't feel like uh, uh, i was i was like uh, um, mixing those languages i mean it, it was naturally related to the kind of experience i was i was going through i mean i was talking to native speakers the whole day and i went home and 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 I was uh, um, feeling my my Spanish language, uh, and I was uh, enjoying it uh, while talking to friends. And, but uh, there was there wasn't a really like like a, a conflict there. But living in Mexico is totally different because uh, I, I married a, a Mexican woman, and my kid does speak. Mexican, I think, really, he speaks Mexican, although he sometimes uh, translates himself for me, you know, like uh, <laughs> having a toast and, and, oh, I really like this um, aguacate, avocado, this, this aguacate, and, and, and then he looks at me and says, palta, dad, palta. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> He's playing. He knows I know, but uh, <laughs> he, he plays with, with with words a lot. And, and but but uh, the, his accent is totally Mexican, and and I would say like he 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 sounds more Mexican than any other Mexican I have ever heard. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and at the same time. Uh, uh, um, every day there is uh, some uh, little problem related to communication, uh, and, and some of them are, are are really specific. You know, I, I don't know if I'm able to, to put an example, um, but um, well, I can try. You know, uh, for example, um, if you ask for using the Toilet. In, in in Chilean Spanish, you would say like uh, uh, puedo ocupar el baño. You would use the, the verb ocupar, occupy, you know. But uh, uh, in other places, that sounds weird. It sounds like you want to go to the bathroom and stay there and put your flag or Chilean flag and stay there and forever, you know? <laughs> so yes. only when you are... In English, it would sound weird too. I occupy the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So, so only when you are in a, in, a, in a foreign country and you use your usual, your normal words and, 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 and you realize that there is something blurred or some 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 sort of uh, um, different reaction uh, you, you would get those kind of differences that i mean there are many examples so so this kind of uh, um, problems i mean 
every day I, I, I have a new one. And I love that. Yeah. You know, because, um, well, I'm 46 years old and I really like having new problems, you know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> like uh, uh, dealing with language and obviously with accent, my, my Spanish, I think it sounds really Chilean. For, for a Spanish reader, mm-hmm. uh, in, in, everywhere in, 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 it sounds Chilean. And there are things about the Chilean speech I love a lot. And now I, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm getting not a Mexican accent, but a, a, a different position uh, towards certain words and certain rhythms that are really interesting yeah. to me because they became natural. It's not that I'm speaking uh, in a different way exactly, uh, but uh, uh, I don't know. It, this is a lot about words, about loving words and, and dealing with them and hating them and discovering them. Yeah. So this has been really amazing and well, about this novel, <laughs> are we talking about this novel? Uh, I think there was uh, some sort of uh, homesickness. Um, when I started living here, it, it was really a decision. I met Hasmina in New York. She was studying there. I was working um, in, in, in the Kalman Center and we had to come back to our countries and we discussed where to live. Uh, we we wanted to have to 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 have a kid, and 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 we discussed that in a very practical way. So there's no like professional reason for being here, for for staying in Mexico City. Uh, in in that in that in that uh, sense, uh, writers sometimes are, are really portable. You know, <laughs> like I, I I could I could I could be here. I could I could be there. I was lucky to to. To, to, to have that those opportunities and, and we decided to, to, to be here for, for, for many reasons. Um, but when that really happened, when, when we started living here, I started feeling this uh, homesickness and I thought what, what, what kind of Chilean am I going to become? you know what kind of Chilean not living in Chile uh, am I going to become? And, and there are some kinds of Chilean living outside Chile yeah. that, that I hated, you know? Uh, and so, so, so I, I felt like the, the danger of becoming someone I, I, I hate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that works for everything, like for teaching, for writing. I mean, there is a moment where, where you are, when you, you, you realize that you are about to become the writer you hate, the teacher you hate, the person you hate. Yeah. So I was like, like uh, I really need to make uh, something good out of this, to stay with homesickness, but uh, to, to put it a different sign. And, and I think my way of, of doing that was writing this novel. I mean, it's, it's a novel uh, that uh, I, I, I had a great time writing this novel. I mean, um, obviously, um, it, 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 it was, this is related to, to becoming a father. And, and I, I, was, I was just doing 
those two things, like being a writer and being a father. I think in the first place I was being a father and, and then I was being a writer and, and I wasn't, I mean, I mean, I wasn't writing for articles and I wasn't teaching. So I was uh, fully dedicated uh, uh, to my kid and, and my novel. And I, I, I did want this uh, to be uh, like music. I was, I was able to, to hear and dance at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it, it was really uh, a, a, a beautiful and, and, and joyful experience. I mean, writing is always uh, joyful, I think, but um, sometimes uh, um, as we deal with things and we, we, I mean, this is a sad novel, but also uh, uh, I think it, 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 it contains in a way this, this, this um, happiness, you know? Yeah. Of, of, of flowing, of, of speaking and hearing Chilean uh, uh, speech alive. Uh, so, so, so I, I wanted, I, I would say that I wanted this homesickness to, 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 to become uh, um, playful and, and interesting. I mean, it's not interesting to be just uh, there, like uh, uh, feeling that, uh, uh, your country is away, and 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 that you miss people. I obviously miss many people, yeah. but uh, this was my 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 way of dealing with it. And and then the pandemic uh, happened. <laughs> so well, that's another chapter because I I, I published this novel in, in in Spanish right when the <laughs> the, the 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 pandemic started. I mean. Uh, um, the the, the 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 book was 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 on on bookstores uh, exactly the day uh, bookstores were closed <laughs> <laughs> well let me ask you one more question about just distance before we go more deeply into the novel again but um even, even deeper i want wow. yeah no i want to go deeper <laughs> um I'm perhaps talking about my favorite scene in the book but before we do um in your, there's a multiple choice question in multiple choice where the options are one, a curfew is a regulation prohibiting free circulation in public within a determined area. Two, it tends to be decreed in times of war or popular uprising. Three, the dictatorship imposed one in Santiago, Chile from September 11th, 1973 until January 2nd, 1987. Four, one summer evening, my father went out walking with no destination in mind. It grew late and he had to sleep at a friend's house. Five, they made love, she got pregnant, I was born. And whether this is literary, literally true or not, your, your writing definitely operates in the shadow of the dictatorship and also how your generation came of age during its fall, but how the freedom that was triumphed in its wake felt to you like a fake freedom, that many of the mechanisms of the fascist state were still operating after the so-called dictatorship had ended. Um, It just made me wonder how it felt watching the election of Boric from Mexico, um, the election of a genuine left-wing young candidate in Chile was, was like, how, how, how are you feeling about it? Pro or con, but it seems like a 
perhaps a bigger shift politically in Chile than what you've had in your life up until now? Definitely. I'm so happy about this. I mean, for many, many, many reasons, you know, um, in, in, in this novel, this, this novel end, ends like in 2014, like March uh, 2014. And, and by then there was this uh, hope that was uh, growing, but at the same time, uh, many people were discussing whether this hope was true or not. And, and that hope was related to what, what happened uh, three years before with, with, with the students and, and these new leaders. And Gabriel Boric was one of those leaders. I, I think uh, he, his name is printed, printed in this novel, I think. Um, I, I, because uh, um, I captured uh, that discussion about these new leaders, you know, and uh, Vicente's father obviously thinks that they are the same and, and, and nothing is going to change and, and he doesn't, uh, he's not interested in what is going on. And Vicente, uh, he, he, he wants this to happen and at the same time uh, he distrusts you know, he's, he's not believing, and at the same time, he, he, he is believing, and he wants to believe, in, and he doesn't trust the system, but uh, uh, he trusts these new leaders that, that, that are a little older than, than he is. I mean, um, I really like that moment be, be, because of that, because uh, hope was there, mm-hmm. but not in a in a naive way, you know, it was like true hope because it dealt with 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 the with its own legit, legitimacy, you know, and and obviously there are many discussions uh, in, about about uh, trust, you know. Um, so well. What can I say? I, I, I am really happy about what's going on in my country. Uh, it's a new generation. Uh, I just wrote a piece uh, about uh, this, like a brother, you know, like, like um, your younger brother, you know, a younger brother. I think uh, I, I feel that. I mean, a younger brother who... who uh, this generation is like a younger brother who who, who really uh, killed the father, you know, and but at the same time uh, they are trying to to um, I wouldn't say like resuscitate them, the generation of fathers, but uh, uh, it is like that. Uh, it is an opportunity to 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 really uh, get get a get a dialogue and, and, and get something valuable, important. Uh, um, I, I'm, I'm really happy about what's going on in my country because of the election of Gabriel Boric and also because uh, a, a new constitution is being discussed. Yes. And, and, you know, uh, many causes that seemed very, very invisible when I was... 18 years old, for example, are now becoming real. 
And that's so beautiful and it's such a big challenge. I, I, obviously, this is going to be really hard. But uh, I really like, uh, I personally personally like um, um, Gabriel Boric uh, because uh, he is always um, speaking uh, with a with a plural first person. I'm not, I know I'm not saying it well, but no, that's great. It's always with the us, with the with the, not yes. not with the me. And a president seems to be like one person, and and the the authority he's supposed to construct is like a, a immanent, but he's sharing that and and i think he's going to do that i mean uh, to 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 create a, a more a more plural sense of power to 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 re reformulate power and i'm really 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 looking forward to 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 this new government also he's a poet i i, I don't I know, know whether you, 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 yeah yeah he's a poet and he said what's the word you use in, in english Frustrated? You say frustrated? No. You could say no, he's a frustrated poet. Say, say he's a frustrated poet, and 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 I and I said like, okay, that's fine because we are we are all frustrated presidents, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> but he writes poetry. He's a very good reader. Yeah. Um, uh, he 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 reads uh, uh, novels and, mm -hmm. and, and 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 poetry. Uh, so he understands. Uh, Um, what our job consists on. I also feel like the way you're speaking about him around the first person plural, it mm. can, it connects to something about your writing too, like the way Gonzalo and Vincente sort of the way they construct their own senses of self are sort of dependent on the other or the way he or way Gonzalo in the poetry community is only able to construct who he is through his engagement with the others within it. Like there is a very much a sense of sort of a self coming through conversation. I want to take this and just bring this, I want to bring this back to one of my favorite parts of, of Chilean poet. But first I want to just speak to the very last piece in your nonfiction collection, No Layer. Uh, it's a speech you gave in 2016 which you framed as a return. So we could say it's another, another example of, of repeating um, because it was a homecoming because you were invited to give a speech at the department of the university where you had taught for many years. And the final paragraph of this speech, which is also the final paragraph of this entire book goes, quote, they say that there are only three or four or five topics of literature but maybe there's only one, belonging. Perhaps all books can be read as a function of the desire to belong or the negation of that desire, to be a part of or stop being part of a family, of a community, a country, of Chilean literature, a football team, a political party, a rock band, or at least a group of scouts. That's what we write about when we're given a free topic. And also when we are writing about love, death, travel, telegrams, or suitcases with swivel wheels. That's what we always talk about, seriously and in jest, in verse and in prose. Belonging. 
And I, I love this, but I also love that you don't just suggest that belonging or not belonging is the topic of literature, but you also write about a lot about books as objects that become part of our creation of self or of self-belonging. Um, you have essays about the impulse to collect books, about the disappointment when you go to a new friend's house and you see the books that are on their bookshelf, about the rituals that you've developed about traveling with books and which books you're going to travel with and, um, and how that looks. And I bring this all up, your thoughts on belonging as literature's singular theme and books as almost amulets or talisman themselves in the question to belong or the question of how to define oneself against. Um, because one of my favorite parts of Chilean poet occurs in the middle and it serves as a sort of hinge, I think. It's when Carla and Gonzalo, they split up and all of a sudden Gonzalo, who, who one day to the next has suddenly disappeared from his st stepson's life. So he's not going to have the same access to the inner workings of the relationship of his mother. So it appears much more suddenly to him. Um, and the way that he grapples with who Gonzalo was to him and what his absence means is by grappling with his empty bookshelves. Um, so he tries many things. He removes them entirely from the walls. He then reinstalls them and fills them randomly with books that have no special significance to Vincente as one way to perhaps exercise Gonzalo. And then he fills the the books, he fills the bookshelves with books that he loves. And then he also meditates on the few books that Gonzalo has left behind. What are those books? Why are those the books that didn't go with him? Um, and you've quoted Adam Phillips before who said, to translate a person is to translate a text that doesn't exist. And in this spirit, I'd love to hear you talk about the way Vincente grieves or expresses anger or expresses love and the way he sort of defines himself against Gonzalo or with Gonzalo through bookshelves, through, through books as objects that surround you when you're in a room. Yeah, I mean, you touched like the center of the novel in my view, which is not important. It's not important what I what I think about the novel, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> I am pleased that you chose that uh, that part uh, because, in a way, um, that's the real question. I mean, we could talk about this and think about the stepfather, the stepfather, the padrastro, but uh, it is even more important what is happening inside the, the boy because maybe the stepfather in a way knew that something like this could happen, but the kid, uh, well, maybe he, he, he also suspects that this painful thing could happen, but uh, his position is it's really um, difficult because in a way he gets that uh, if Carla and Gonzalo split up, uh, 
his mother might be sad. And the mother is the main character there. And he's, again, the secondary character of that story. And, but at the same time, he has feelings. Uh, uh, he, he was raised by, by Gonzalo and not by his father, who, who is an asshole, whose only merit is, is to be there. I mean, he's there, but he's, he's, he's not there. And, and Gonzalo was there. Gonzalo was a good father, even though it's hard to, 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 to know what, what, what it means to be a good father, but, but he was raising him. And, and he has this idea of, 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 of Gonzalo writing and, and reading a lot. And, but that was, wasn't really important to, to Vicente. I mean, in this sense, uh, I think uh, the whole novel uh, is, obviously, is obviously about poets, but uh, it's, it's not clear that they, they are really poets. You know, I, 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 I think uh, I was... I was more interested in the way poets uh, uh, deal with everyday life and with problems that are there for for everyone. It's not that special being a poet, and and part of uh, its energy is related to, to to that. You know, poets are not uh, in, in a different place; are, are sharing life, uh, and 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 they are dealing with communities and maybe they have a, a different job, uh, a job that they don't necessarily like, uh, or maybe they do like uh, those jobs, but um, they are poets, but that they have to be something else uh, uh, because the world doesn't seem to, to, to like uh, poets uh, or, or to respect them. So, I was uh, a lot um, interested in, in trying to define, I know this is really ambitious, but trying, trying to define uh, a literary vocation. And in, in this moment, uh, Vicente is dealing with this empty place. Uh, he misses those books, even though he didn't like uh, those books I mean uh, and he gets okay uh, he left so uh, the bookshelves are now empty because all books were his books so it's natural so in a way uh, he gets that but it is uh, disappointing uh, to get in that room and to see this emptiness so uh, as you as you mentioned, he tries things uh, and he he deals with pain, but uh, not necessarily he is aware of that pain uh, the whole time. Um, or maybe he feels that uh, that pain uh, uh, it's more uh, his mom's pain and not not his. And so I really like the moment where he discovers these uh, two books, one book by Gonzalo Millan, another book by Emily Dickinson. And he opens them and reads them and, and, and doesn't like them. He doesn't understand what, 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 what is that about. And, 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 
a, a little a little later, some years later, uh, he's more he, he he opens the book again and, and finds something. Yeah. And, and it's not that he really thinks I I I got this. But but he he he's, he's, he doesn't understand, but he likes uh, that that uh, that disconcert and 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 he specific specifically um, um, reads a poem by Gonzalo Millan about about a pea, arveja. It's in Spanish or or in Mexico it's like a chicharo, a pea. You know, a little pea in the refrigerator. A lonely pea in the refrigerator. <laughs> and, and, and the poem is about that. Uh, the poem by Gonzalo Millan is about that. It's a real poem uh, about a pea, a lonely pea in the refrigerator. And, and he's like, I've seen that pea, you know? <laughs> it's incredible that the, the job of this person consists in, in finding those images I, I have seen and nobody gives a shit about. And I, I like this, uh, this um, idea of someone uh, that, that is focused in supposedly unimportant things and, and, and he or she collects them and, and, and writes poems. And that's how he enters poetry. And I think in, in, in the life of, of, of every poet, there is a moment where, 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 where you where you face your your own misunderstanding and 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 find some beauty in, in in the position. And at the same time, I think this is obviously more more easy to explain when you when you think about music, because I, I think poetry is basically um, 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 bad bad thought. No, badly taught. I mean, it's hard to obviously it's hard to teach poetry, but uh, I don't know. You, 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 you. Even from from the very beginning, you 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 get a sense of music. You no, know? when you when you when you are born, and, and you you feel music, and music is around, and there are different kinds of music and styles, and, and you enjoy some of it. And 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 your your mother is is singing, and your father is also singing and playing the guitar, and and they they like different kinds of music. So you get a whole sense of, of what music is, without uh, needing uh, music to be defined. And that's so so beautiful that that, that you really position yourself. Um, um, and and you 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 feel uh, that you know a lot about music, but that was never ex explained to you. And and I would like to that 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 the same thing would happen with poetry. You know that that you would feel those poems and and and, and many kinds of poems, and you would decide whether you like this or that. Uh, and, but. Uh, it seems that the, the system is more uh, um, trying to define and, and, and to control in taste. You know, that that's really, uh, can I say bad words? In oh, show? yeah. Say as many uh, as that's you really have. fucked up. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like uh, you, you are told, like, uh, well, when, when you are seven years old, uh, 
I know there are many exceptions, but I'm, I'm thinking uh, about uh, uh, those moments where, where, where you are told like, this is poetry. And well, I know it sounds a, a lot like a, a dead poet society, you know, <laughs> but uh, I hated that movie, but I think I, 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 I really like it. And, and, and I, 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 I hated myself liking it. You know? <laughs> That's very well said. But, but uh, you know, it, there is something about, I mean, even jokes, for example, jokes. When, 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 when a kid learns to tell jokes, he learned everything he needs to know. Mm. He knows everything he needs. I mean, it's really hard to tell a joke. And it is a story and it is fiction and you can analyze it and you have many different kinds of jokes and it's really a beautiful process, process. but at first you, you just like uh, the situation of someone telling a story and, and the reaction to that story which is laughing yeah. and, and as a kid you feel okay this is really this is great. I'm going to say something. I'm going to tell a story, and people will laugh. And so, so, so kids imitate that, but uh, they don't really tell a joke. They they tell a story and they expect a result. And and people laugh about that effort. Oh, uh, and 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 it's really interesting. Like uh, I, I mean. Stupid parents would, would would say, this is not a joke. This is not the proper way of telling a joke. But <laughs> normal people would react to that. And so you, you, you told a story and people reacted laughing, but it's not uh, a le legitimate laugh. Yeah. And you get to understand that later. Uh, so they are not laughing the same way they laugh when, 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 my, when my dad tells, tells a joke. There is a difference. So they start like practicing and, and creating uh, their own sense of humor. It's so beautiful. And there is this terrible moment when, when you learn that uh, you cannot tell the same joke over and over to the same person. So, so you start uh, playing with that form yeah. and, and maybe you, you create another joke or, or you work uh, with style. I mean, it's so, so, so many sophisticated things you learn by, by telling a joke. And then you go to school and the teacher tells you, okay, you are good at telling jokes. This is not important. We are going to study literature, poetry, and, and everything you know, it's, 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 it's not important now because you are going to start learning right now. And it's terrible because by then, you, you, you really know many things. And school is rejecting those knowledge. This, this knowledge, you, you, what, what do I do with this? So I'm sorry, I, I got... No, it's uh, okay. But with the flow. But. Let, let me connect this to something that I think might be... I don't think it would be lost in translation, but I think it's different between Chile and the United States. Like, for instance, I was just listening to a talk by Daniel Mendelssohn, 
the memoirist, classicist in uh, in the United States, who who says that he thinks that the novel is still considered the pinnacle of literary achievement in the United States. He, it's something he's trying to dethrone, the novel. But he feels like that's the form that gets the most respect in the U.S. But that's not the case in Chile. And I wanted to talk about that, maybe in relationship to humor, but also overall, too. Because in your conversation with Daniel Alarcón, you, you said the following... There's a paradox. When I started writing prose, it was like a game. My poetry was very serious. Chile has a great tradition of poetry. Maybe I felt like I needed to write something transcendent. I enjoyed myself more when writing fiction, in part because I had less respect for it than for poetry. And one of the great things that I love about your prose is the way you lovingly poke fun at your characters and by extension, it feels like you're poking fun at yourself and also the way you poke fun at the, the poetry community. And there's just so much comedy. And, there, and the many sex scenes in this book are incredibly funny and also mo- emotionally moving and, and they really deepen our sense of the characters. And I guess I'm wondering, does that mean that we wouldn't find comedy and sex in your poetry <laughs> be, be, because because unlike the United States, poetry is the place of true of true writing in Chile. That is the world I belong to. I mean, I write novels, but many of my friends are poets, and and many of the most uh, exciting and and meaningful experiences as a reader, I have had, are related to poetry, specifically to Chilean poetry. I feel um, that uh, community related to me every time. I mean, I mean, I feel, I feel that that's, it's not something I, I think. Uh, I mean, um, I'm always reading, uh, the poem, the poems by by my my my, my friends are, are writing and and I'm, and they even though I have been away from publishing poetry for a long while and they are uh, generous enough to consider me a poet still <laughs> even though I did this I did this uh, stupid thing about. The stupid thing of writing novels. You know? <laughs> I mean, I'm playing with that idea. The whole novel, Chilean poet, is a novel. I think uh, um, with characters that that wouldn't read that book. I mean, my characters are, are, are that they don't read novels. You know, so they're not going to read the book I, I wrote about them. <laughs> but um, and this uh, discussion between poetry and prose, it's interesting because it's interesting to talk about, I don't know, uh, soccer or (laughs) music. I mean, it's not not that serious, I think. Although I I, I do think there is a a difference uh, between uh, poetry and, and, and novels or short stories. I mean, related to time, I mean, to use, the way you use 
poetry or it's different than the way you use uh, um, in a novel, you know? Long novels, longer than, than mine. I mean, the idea of uh, reading a long novel, uh, it's a period, it's, it's, it's like a two weeks, like a month, a whole month reading a novel. I love that experience. And, and maybe you, you, you are not going to reread that novel again, but I really like uh, that. And I, I also like reading an, a novella, uh, a, a short book that it is a novel. It is longer than a short story. And, and you know that you are going to go through it um, uh, in, 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 one, in one, one sitting, in, in one afternoon. And, 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 and it's really... Uh, a joyful uh, expectative, uh, a joyful feeling that you're going to be there reading that book and you're gonna, going to finish it. And, and poetry is more related to me, to the sacred. I mean, to, to, to I, don't, I don't know how to say it, but uh, it, it's related uh, uh, to religion. Uh, I, 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 in, in, a, in a very unreligious way, <laughs> I don't know how to say. I mean, yeah, it's it's, it's really sacred. Yeah. Maybe I can say it this way: uh, for the last uh, 25 years, there has been a book by Emily Dickinson and a book by Cesar Vallejo and a book by Gonzalo Millan on my nightstand, and and I know that I will never get to the sensation I I'm over it. Uh, I, even I, I would never get to the sensation. Of, I, I read this, you know. Yeah. I, I'm just uh, uh, reading them the same way other people are, are 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 praying, you know. Well, it goes back to music and also to yeah, music, re yeah. repeating because you yeah. never with a good song you're always returning to the song. I I, I would be more with the idea that. Uh, Defining literary genres, uh, I'm not against the idea of defining uh, literary genres, but uh, it's a game, you know? And maybe we can get into that game with, 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 if we focus on the idea of, of, of repetition, for example. I mean, a long novel is probably not relates to repetition the same way uh, and a poem does, and, and 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 the parallel with music is obviously very accurate because uh, I don't know if you if you listen the new song by Caetano Veloso for the first time, uh, this new song uh, in, in the middle of it, in the middle of, of, of the first time you are listening to it, you you, you feel you like I like this, and and that means I'm going to listen to this over and over. And that sense of uh, future repetition, it's related to pleasure, you know? It's, it would be really stupid that someone would say like, ah, I really like this song by Catano <laughs> so I will never listen to it again because I already know I like this song, so I don't need to. <laughs> so no, music is related to repetition, and you would get uh, a sense of the lyrics, and you and you would get uh, and you, you you would put your headphones, and you you, you would experience it in, in a different way, and you would uh, obviously uh, play with the drums and dancing. I mean, 
this is really uh, a good parallel, I think, and because the same thing happens with poetry. I mean, you 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 read the poem by Emily Dickinson, and and you and you and you and you 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 don't really get to the sense that that uh, that experience is is, is going to be uh, over. I mean, it, it's it's there. So it, it, I think it for many people, uh, literature is related to religion. Um, and maybe we are atheists or, or we, we don't really believe uh, the way other people believe. Uh, but uh, there is something about um, uh, poetry that is related to, 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 to some sort of uh, idea of the sacred. And, and so I don't really remember what we were, what, but, but do ask me something. <laughs> Let me complicate it further. Cause you do, I love how you, you, um, I think very provocatively confuse and break down the boundaries between genres. So there's this point, there are only a couple rare points in Chilean poet when a narr- a first person narrator appears. One of them, one of the times <laughs> it goes, Vincente is a Chilean poet and I am a Chilean novelist and we Chilean novelists write novels about Chilean poets. And I, I wanted to I wanted to take this into just some of the wonderful things you've written in re, with regards to the novel and poetry. Um, with Alarcón, you said that your your community, as you've said, is largely the poetry community, that your friends like your characters in this book, rarely read fiction and they see novel as an exaggeration. And you quoted Chico Molina who said, la novela es la poesía de los tontos. Novels are like poetry for idiots. But in, in No Leer, you say in contrast that good novels are closer to poetry than bad poems. So I, I love that that good novels are closer to poetry than bad poems. And I also love from your essay on Bolaño's poetry, this following quote, which it, which you, you start with talking about one of his characters from 2666. Benno von Archibaldi thought that all poetry was or could be contained in a novel. Roberto Bolaño thought that the best poetry of the 20th century had been written in the form of a novel. James Joyce's Ulysses contains Eliot's The Wasteland, and Ulysses is better than Eliot's The Wasteland, he said in an interview. In 2002, he published Antwerp, a book of poetry, or something like a script for a book of poetry, or a script written after reading a book of poetry, In any case, he took the liberty of presenting it as a novel, or as he put it, the only novel I'm not ashamed of, maybe because it's unintelligible. And later you say, Bolaño's work tells the story of a poet resigned to being a novelist, a poet who descends to prose in order to write poetry. I just love that. And I also am curious, I guess, in light of that, about the actual poems that are in Chilean Poet. Are you simply dropping poems that you've written, Zambra-esque poems? 
or are you writing poems as Gonzalo and then putting them into the book? Like how does the poetry that we find in Chilean poet purportedly written by your characters, but also written by a novelist who is a poet, um, are you, are, is there the persona of character in the writing of these poems? Writing those poems was my way of uh, understanding those characters. So it was more like, oh, I have to write uh, his poems, you know, <laughs> and like, like an assignment. And, and I wrote many poems and, and it was really interesting because uh, it, it wasn't my sense of poetry and some of them are, are bad poems. Well, that's the risk. Some people would find the supposedly bad poems, good poems, and supposedly good poems, bad poems. <laughs> it's part of the risk. It was like, I think like two weeks where I stopped writing the novel and, and I was like, I want to write their poems, Vicente's and, and Gonzalo's poems, in order to get to know them. And, you know, there is this beautiful moment where characters are really uh, beginning to, to, to be different than you. And, and that distance is related uh, to, to, I don't know how to call it, uh, and let's call it uh, love, you know? And there is something about that distance uh, that, that allows proximity, you know? And, and obviously every character, I don't know, in the beginning has like a, the hair of that person, the nose of that other person and, 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 and says, uh, I don't know, sentences that is, some of your friends used to say, and, and you are always mixing and creating um, by mixing. Uh, but uh, I, I thought uh, um, uh, that 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 opportunity uh, as, as 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 very useful to to get to know them and and so I wrote their poems and and then I decided what 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 poems I I, I might use. It was obviously easier to 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 play with the rhymes and in the beginning you know uh, the first poems uh, Gonzalo writes are not good I think they're not good but readers have the the right to to, to like them <laughs> but you're writing them with the intention of making them some of the poems you're writing with the intention of them being from a writer who isn't writing good poetry yeah it, it was more uh because in, in Bolaño you you never get to read the, the poems they, they they write and I love that uh, but it, it was more like a the Nabokov way you know the Nabokov way yeah like a, a, he, he, he does the opposite I mean you, you get to read the poem and, and to and, and get to interpretations and and, and readings and and, um, and it's a, another kind of, of getting to to, to to their minds um, but uh, uh, something really weird happened because um, you know this poem Garfield the poem written by Gonzalo which is supposedly the only poem he, he wrote that might be considered a, a good poem but it's a poem about uh, cemeteries it's, a, it's about uh, the new cemeteries I, I call the new cemeteries of 
to those uh, cemeteries that uh, all of a sudden appeared in my country early in the 90s. Uh, Parque del Recuerdo, Parque del Sandero. Um, all those cemeteries arrived in a way uh, to Chile. Uh, and they were different because uh, uh, as many cemeteries now in the world, uh, they they are more like uh, golf uh, golf courses, and and pain was like like uh, obliterated. Uh, pain wasn't visible. It's, it's uh, pain. Pain is 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 obviously around, but uh, kids are always like um, um, happy to go to those places because they are like parks, you know. 25 years ago, um, I, I, I went to one of those cemeteries and, and I saw these graves uh, with the toys. Um, it's like the most heartbreaking image, you know, like graves of kids you know and 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 I was there and I I went through the whole cemetery and I was looking to those graves and and the toys and the the, the uh, teddy bears and, and, and it was really overwhelming and sad and so I tried to write about that for a long time. That was an idea, an image that, that came to my mind uh, and I was trying to write a poem about it and, and, and trying to, to, to get to something um, starting with that uh, painful uh, image. And I was never able to. And when I, when I was writing this novel, uh, and, and I was trying to write a Gonzalo's poem. And I remembered that uh, same experience. And I wrote the poem in like four minutes. Wow. You know? so, so I needed I needed to be someone else in order to write that poem. Yeah. Or, or I maybe I needed Gonzalo for writing that poem. I, I wouldn't say that poem is mine. You know, yeah, uh, it, it was really like I was living with him for a long while because when you, I know this is a cliche, but but when you write a novel, you 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 are living with those characters for a long time, and you you love them and you hate them and you and you and you understand them, and, and so writing uh, these poems uh, uh, maybe 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 was too much, no, <laughs> like like a too much proximity. Uh, but I like it, that idea, that they, 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 they would have a, a, a visible work. Uh, and, and, and then I used this uh, image, and, and, and it, obviously I, I, I didn't think about it that much. Uh, I mean, if I would have thought about it, maybe I, 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 would have, I, I wouldn't have uh, written it. Uh, because I would have started dealing with the same um, feeling that 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 that, that uh, stopped me when when I was trying to write the poem. Uh, 
yeah. uh, directly, you know. But 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 uh, uh, with this uh, character in between, I got to write it. That's a great story. So um, I, I want to spend a little bit of time with with the American journalist Prue, who you mentioned, who comes yeah. who comes and sort of accidentally is writing a feature on the contemporary Chilean poetry scene. But kind of like your own journalism, she's she's not focusing on the most obvious people, but the grassroots poetry community, the secondary characters, and all of their passions and insecurities and divisions and successes. Often these gatherings and parties of poets that have a lot of drama and a lot of comedy. And it reminded me a lot of Bolaño's characters who are philosophers and poets um, who are having these conversations within their own fields. And, and Prue even thinks that some of the people, she even says that some of the people she's meeting are reminding her of Bolaño characters herself. But because I don't know the poetry scene in Chile, I don't know how many of these characters are based on real people that might be recognizable to a Chilean reader or how completely invented they are. But I feel a lot of love in the way you're portraying them, even when you're making fun of them. So, or maybe even sometimes when you're making fun of them, I feel the love the most. And it somehow it makes me feel like, I don't know how you do this as a writer, but it somehow makes me feel like you somehow find a way to include yourself in the things you're making fun of. Um, when you when you were again when you were writing about Ginsburg's uh, family lexicon, you say family lexicon is in fact a family autobiography, a self portrait in the corner of the painting, with the small crowd of parents and siblings and friends and neighbors in the fore. The self that appears is never alone and always, rather than describing herself wants to talk about others. And I felt like somehow that you were, there was some sort of way in which you were performing a self-portrait in the corner of this family autobiography of Chilean poets. Um, but it was definitely a, one of the more pleasurable things about your writing overall is the way you, you create um, sort of an art ecosystem in your books that's generational through the way that you name music, which you do a lot, and you name books that characters are reading or debating. And there's this sense that we're getting a biography of the of the generation and the and the characters at the same time. And and in this book we get poets who write one thousand page books of poetry, uh poets who notice that there's no right wing poets in Chile, so they write poetic monologues in the voice of torturers. Um and then real poets who refused to publish during the 17 years of the dictatorship. Uh, though, I, uh, though again, I'm not sure. Maybe they're all real poets. That's what I don't know, and it's interesting. Um, in a way, any, anyway, they are real, but uh, it's like we said before, like uh, I'm mixing them up. Yes. And it, it, it was uh, really funny, and at the same time... Uh, um, interesting to me to 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 create a sense of community most of them almost 
all of them are 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 invented but uh some of them i thought it was stupid to 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 invent them yeah. um, like nicanor parra or rosavetti muñoz so yeah. so I, I i i i got to know them and i loved them and 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 they were really generous or they are really generous with me uh, so it was a kind of homage but uh, at the same time I didn't want to create a character named uh, Nicolas Parra instead of Nicanor Parra. I mean, right. I, 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 most of the poets are, are, are like two or three or four or five poems, five poets in, 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 into one uh, um, character. And, and so, so, but it's, I, I don't know what a Chilean reader would exactly recognize, you know? Uh, yeah. I, I, I can imagine that my fellows, uh, my, my, well, most of the, of the, of the readers that, that read the manuscript uh, were, were like uh, aware of, of, of this possibly, uh, I mean, but it's not a Roman cliff. It's not the, the the word in English, the expression. Yeah. It's not like a, like a hiding or playing with that exactly. It's more like a community, a community um, that uh, I think it is very Chilean. But uh, I have been told that uh, the same thing happens in in, in other countries. I mean, this this novel is a lot about national myths. You know, one of the most important uh, uh, national myths we we have in Chile is poetry. I mean, it's hard to 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 live really far away from a street called Pablo Neruda or Gabriela Mistral, and 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 you would you would ask people in Chile whether we have a good poetry or not, and I'm absolutely sure everyone would answer we have a great poetry, even though they don't like poetry. And they, they they don't relate to poetry, and, and and they would even don't know what poetry is about. Uh, we all know that we have good poets, and it's a, it's a paradox, obviously. Uh, but um, uh, it, it's the only thing that uh, that we we know that that we we won the World Cup, you know, <laughs> like twice because of this Nobel Prize and this whole culture of award-winning people you know so 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 people would know that uh, we are supposedly uh, 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 or that 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 we may, are maybe good poets but yeah uh, and you, you can feel proud about that even though you 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 don't give a shit about poetry i mean many friends had that this uh, same stupid discussion with argentinians you know like they, they don't have a Nobel prizes and so <laughs> after after they beat us in in soccer you know and 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 you they, they go drunk and, and and they start talking about and, and making fun of the chileans but uh, we won two Nobel prizes and you don't that's <laughs> the priest I love that. Thing. But uh, it's about national myths and how how you how do you deal with them? I mean, in a way, when I was 14 years old or 15 years old and I wanted to to, to become a poet, uh, well, it, it was crazy, but it didn't seem so crazy, that crazy to me. Because uh, um, poets were around and 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 we we heard about them and 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 it was um 
a world that, uh, that, 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 that wasn't hidden. I mean, I mean, uh, it was, uh, it was free, yeah. you know, you, you had, you had to pay for the books. You had to buy, go to a bookstore and, and you, you, you want to read a novel. Okay. You have to pay for it. And books are were and are very expensive in Chile. Uh, but poetry was more related to photocopies and, and to, to, to sharing uh, and old books you would find and, and you, go, you, you would go to a library and, 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 and get some books and, and you get uh, to know people who also like poetry and, 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 and then a community started. And, and, and that's, a, that's a really beautiful about such detectives and the novel by Roberto Bolaño. I think when we read that novel, Many of many of us um, were were not uh, reading novels, uh, contemporary novels. I mean, I, I was reading classics, and all poetry interested to me. I was interested in in, in, in all poetry, in, in the poem you just wrote, and, and in, in classics. But with prose, I was only interested in in in, in classics. You know, uh, but uh, there was this. Uh, exception with, with with Roberto Bolaño and specifically with that novel uh, uh, and that was so fun and and that we felt uh, so 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 close to it and and we shared the book and 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 we hated our country and and the only thing we liked about our country was poetry and we thought we were alone and there was this book uh, that talk about people uh, that we recognized, even though we didn't hear of them, we, we, we felt them really close, and and that uh, uh, created a, a, a not a sense of of a community because the community already existed. I mean, I was like twenty three or twenty four years old when I read the novel in nineteen ninety nine, you know? uh, but uh, uh, I think. Uh, made us loved our community, made us proud of, of belonging to, 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 to that community. So yeah, it is a special position, the position of the poet in the Chilean society. That, that, that is weird. I mean, and now we have like uh, two newspapers uh, in Chile, only two, or maybe three, or maybe one and a half, I don't know. <laughs> but they don't they don't really have a cultural sections, or, or maybe they do, but it's not like it was ten years, ten, 10 years before, you know. And, and for example, like like three years ago, um, they stopped uh, reviewing books. You know, there was no literary critic anymore, and and from then on, they don't uh, review books. They have a cultural section, but Books are not included in, uh, but they could easily get to interview a poet, you know. <laughs> so, huh. so they are not uh, reviewing right. the book, but, talking but to they uh, they can uh, interview the poet, and not about his or her books. It's about the way they see life. Uh, it's really interesting that, yeah. that uh, I, I I obviously this is not. Uh, uh, something I have studied, but I think like four times a year you would find like big interviews to different Chilean poets. Uh, I wonder if this goes back to 
religion, the <laughs> like that these poets are like oracles. Yeah, yeah, there's something about that. But it's like I don't know if this word does exist in English. Free thinker, mm-hmm. free thinker. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a, a guy who who sees the world from his own uh, perspective. He is free to mix things up, and his vision, or her vision, is not obvious. Uh, that's, I think, that that is the idea of a poet in Chile. Uh, it's related, obviously, uh, to the cult of personality, which is something we've been dealing with uh, for for a long time. Uh, with with the idea that that, that, that we had this uh, superstar Neruda was so famous and so important worldwide when he was young even even when he was young he was so important uh, so so there is this idea of the superstar and and, and but uh, we have uh, Nicanor Parra immediately uh, like. Um, um, deconstructing Neruda's way of being a poet and, and, and Neruda's way of writing poetry. So it was like the yin and the yang. They created a system where, where, where uh, everything was allowed. I mean, the limits, the formal limits of Chilean poetry does not exist. Obviously, there are good poems and bad poems, good poets and bad poets. But what do you understand by the word poem it's really uh, um, avant-garde. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to say it, but uh, uh, I mean, Juan Luis Martinez, which is a great uh, poet. Okay, you, you, you would read uh, his books and, 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 and you, would, you, would, you would ask yourself, why, 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 is, why is this even considered poetry? Because it's more like visual arts and, and, and obviously we, we accept that and we include that into poetry because uh, uh, what anti-poetry uh, did was expand the limits and obviously created discussions, long discussions, uh, sometimes very hard discussions uh, about the definition of poetry. You know? So you, you knew Nicanor Para in real life and he's a character in this book. You're invented poets spend time in his house um, at various points in the book. What was, what was it like taking this iconic anti-poet who in real life you, you, you knew and, and putting him in, the, in this fictional world? How, what were your considerations around that? With, with, with uh, Nicanor Parra, uh, it, it's not that I, I, I wanted to put him in the novel. I mean, it, it was more like something that Prue would like to, to, to get to, to know him um, because of very professional reasons, I would say. I mean, she had uh, to know uh, the new poets, not, not the old ones, but uh, uh, in a way he was there and and why not? And it's obviously something a journalist would want to uh, go there and see what happens. And, and uh, every journalist would know that it's really hard to get to an interview with, with Nicanor that was always refusing interviews and, and sometimes playing 
the game that that is played in in, in the novel. I mean, uh, accepting the interview, but uh, when 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 you when you got there, he was like reluctant and 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 he was like, oh, please no 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 recording, and and. So I'm, I, this is a situation that is a situation I I, I witnessed many times because I, I used to work with him. I, I was really lucky. I mean, uh, long ago he translated King Lear into Chilean Spanish. It's a very 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 good translations translation because because he plays with the, with the different levels of of, of the of the language in, in King Lear. I mean, uh, you know, this uh, this uh, writing for the scene, uh, this writing that, 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 that uh, ideally would entertain all, all sorts of sensibilities and, and that would have many, many layers. Uh, so, so Nicanor Parra uh, translated it long ago, I think it was 1990, 1991. And, and then he refused uh, to, to publish that translation. He had many offers, but he didn't want to publish it. And, and he was like, uh, I will never publish this. But there was this uh, publisher who insisted and, and he accepted to, to, to finally, many years later, uh, published this translation and this editor Matias Rivas this publisher uh, and, and Nicanor uh, decided that that they they needed an editor uh, the, the text that like I don't know the word in English it's the same it's not the same word but he needed someone to 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 work with him um, in, in, in with, with this manuscript and, and to make final decisions and it was a long work and 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 I was lucky enough to be around and and Nicanor wanted uh, uh, someone like me and we uh, started working together and it was a long work uh, in I, I I learned many things and I don't know whether uh, they were related to literature. I think it, it was more learning, learning about life. And, 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 and he was one, one of my idols and, 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 and one of my favorite poets. But, oh, but, but I was dis discussing his poetry too. I mean, it, it's not uh, that I was uh, uh, obedient, you know, like, uh, it, it, because it's really impressive what, what, what Nicanor Parra does. Um, and, I'm afraid that he's not really uh, very well edited now in the USA because uh, uh, translations are, are, were published long ago. Uh, I, I hope that they 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 will be reprinted. They will reprint them soon because. But it's really amazing what what happens when you read Nicanor Parra for the first time, and you like poetry, and you have the the Nerudian imaginary or, or or any other you know like writing poems for 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 your boyfriend or your girlfriend and, and you realize this, this also considered poetry even though it is called anti-poetry uh, it impresses you and i think that still happens uh, when i was a teacher for example i i i i, I had this um uh classes where uh, nobody would really 
have chosen to be there, you know, like uh, you studied like uh, something, I don't know, uh, economics or, or uh, administration. Yeah. You are not related to poetry, but you, you have you have to you have to feel the credit. <laughs> so you, you take this class, yeah. and I was the, the teacher, and it was like uh, for people who, who who work the whole day. So it was like. Um, 8.30 p.m. and I was there talking to them about poetry. <laughs> so uh, it wasn't like the best situation for, for a learning process. Yeah. Uh, but it was really interesting that uh, the, to, 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 to get uh, their reactions about uh, Nicanor Parra's poetry. And they don't, they didn't like poetry, but uh, they were even, some of them amazed, some of them really hated that and they were really mad at the, the mere idea that 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 was considered uh, something we should study <laughs> you know <laughs> really like a, this is not poetry and i thought well well 50 years later this is still so and, and you know the artifacts uh, that that nicanor parra wrote um and the way he 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 chose to distract poetry uh, was this uh, um, was creating this uh, uh, one or two lines poems that uh, we would read now and we would uh, identify easily as tweets or or these artifacts that work like memes, you know. But this was done early in the 70s you know it's the artifacts which is a book of postcards formally they are memes uh, written 40 years uh, earlier you yeah. know? so I was thinking about poetry and and dealing with the idea of poetry and with the position of poetry which is something really important and, and, and interesting because he, he wasn't like uh I don't know how to say this, but he, he was not, uh, he wanted to, 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 to speak to everyone, you know? So the, the, the minority, the idea of poetry as something that, uh, uh, something that, that, that people rejects and ignores, uh, he was fighting that idea, fighting against that idea. So it's really interesting the way he, he Managed to to create a poetry that 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 could imply you and, and that could uh, change you. So when 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 I was a teenager, I I I was laughing. Maybe you don't expect to laugh when you when you read a poem. Uh, maybe you are looking for something else. And so so you like it, and at the same time you, you distrust it. And and there there's this debate that it is still going on. Uh, about uh, seriousness and and poetry, uh, and, and and many people would still say that this is not poetry. I think that is a way of winning. <laughs> like, yeah, people is still dis people are still discussing your work. I mean, that that means a lot. I I feel like we can't end this conversation until we talk about the cat. Which, which of course is taking this off in a very random, different direction. But who knows? Maybe not. But there's a cat on the cover. 
a cat with fangs who reminds me of Bulgakov's uh, character in Master Margarita. Master Margarita a little bit. Popotka. Popotka was the name of the cat? I think it was Behemoth, wasn't it? Uh, Was it? Or maybe. Maybe in I think in English it's Behemoth. Um, let me let me find this out because I've been I've been making a, a big mistake for for a long time. The name of the cat. Yeah. But in English. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what what's what's his name in Spanish. Maybe it is what you remember. Uh, in a way, it's. I feel like it's the opportunity for Vincente, the stepson, to be a father himself. Um, um, maybe he's the stepfather to the cat. But there's this theme of lying in the, in the book that I'm curious about, I guess, around the cat too. Because both Carla and Gonzalo are, are not really telling Vincente what's true about the cat's health, partially because of economics. But Vincente is distrustful in a larger way. Like he, there's this question around Santa Claus and how Vincente is, is concerned that all the adults have gotten together to agree to lie to children about Santa Claus. And he, he's been reassured that that's not the case. And then there's Gonzalo who's lying to Carla about which poems are his and which ones like he hands her poems written by other people, which she, she really likes. And, um, she's not a big poetry fan, but she's not a, she's particularly not a big fan of Gonzalo's, most of (laughs) Gonzalo's poetry. Um, but I'm curious about the cat who's not really a secondary character, maybe a tertiary character. Why, why does the cat end up on the cover? What, what is the cat? The cat means something yeah. I'm not asking think, you to reduce it to a meaning, but I guess speak to the speak to us about uh, the yeah. cat a little bit. I have a short answer that 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 maybe should be the only answer. The cat is really cute. So <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean uh, this is only autobiographical uh, 100% autobiographical thing of this novelist this cat named Oscuridad in, in Spanish, darkness in, in English. Um, and uh, I, I, I really, uh, I am really into cats. <laughs> I mean, I obviously cannot explain exactly why, but uh, maybe it's uh, what we all have seen, like uh, this, uh, domestic animals that are not fully domesticated, that are really different. And each of them is a whole world and you, you, don't, you don't get uh, to know whether they trust you or not. And, and when, as, as, as Borges said in this beautiful poem, it's like, a, you curse them, it's like they are accepting that, like, making you a favor you know and they are sophisticated and wild and at the same time are there and sometimes they 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 seem to love you and sometimes they seem to hate (laughs) you so it's really like uh dealing with with the the, with, with with life 
you yeah. know it's, you can learn a lot by by watching them and and the same with kids with 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 with, with, with uh, toddlers you know the newborns it's like a, they they are teaching you many things when when you are supposed to be taking care of them and, and parents always like uh, uh, their kids to be dogs but they are cats you know <laughs> they are <laughs> wild and yeah. and passionate and and inscrutable is that a word inscrutable yeah. inscrutable and, and and as we all are you know we all are inscrutable and and when 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 you are when you see yourself uh, uh, this close you 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 know that that you are uh, really complex and really stupid at the same time you know so <laughs> mystery i, I yeah. think it's related to cat cuz I, I, I was i was a teacher of, of, of a very very interesting class uh, about uh, literature and cats uh, it was really 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 like a great experience and and because they are like uh, obviously natural characters for 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 mystery, but also for tenderness, and and they are really uh, there are many 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 great literature, great poetry, great uh, novels, and great short stories about about cats. So it was really something I would I would I would like to do again, and I would like people to do because it's liberating. I mean, yeah. you can talk about many kinds of literature, and and at the same time, it seems like you you are you are you're always still you are always talking about cats. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> has experiences, and, and and I was I was really I, I loved that class because I had these three students that were cat haters that was really interesting it's like 20 people yeah 17 were were cat lovers and three of them were dog lovers and cat haters and wow. the discussions were really really sophisticated and interesting i want to take this class <laughs> i want to take the class the next time you teach it. did you teach um colette's book the cat yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you did it's amazing yeah yeah, yeah. and book. and and i kind of distrust the idea of topics, you know, uh, in literature. And that's what that uh, piece you just read, Free Topic, is about. But having said that, um, it's really good to, 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 to use the idea of a topic to, to teach literature. So, so in, in that way, that class about cats was great because uh, I had this uh, excuse uh, he, um, and, but we got to, to really talk about what writing and reading uh, is about you know and, and we, we, we really enjoyed it and the other day I was talking uh, with my wife that um, um, was a big fan of um, Old Possum's book of Practical Cuts, the book by T. S. Eliot, but, but because because he she came across the the Cats musical, you know, so she liked it and and and, and she got to the to the book in English. She was really, uh, I don't know, like eleven years old or something, 
and and and, and loved an old possum's book of practical cuts and, and learned some poems uh, by heart. So so she said to herself, I I, I really like this guy T.S. Eliot. I'm gonna order uh, another book by him. And it was the four quartets, the wasteland. Yes. So, so, but, but maybe that's why uh, she became a writer. Who, who, know, who knows? Yeah, I love that. <laughs> well, well, to sort of end where we began, um, I, I want to return to Kate Briggs, who, who, who said in The Believer, what continues for me is this desire for the novel what Bart calls the long form, the longest form. There's something about the length, and so therefore also about the duration of engagement, and the way this reading time has to be interrupted and kind of extended by life, because a long form can't be read all at once, which fascinates me. It has always fascinated me, I think. In Not to Read, Alejandro Zambra has a piece called Festival of the Long Novel, describing a project for a literary festival which never happened. But I wish it would. I would love more than anything to sit with other readers and practitioners of the longest form and try to work this fascination out. I guess thinking of your attempt to create a festival of the long novel, especially as a novelist who himself is known for your short, even sometimes miniature novels, and also thinking how this novel, I don't think this novel could be called a long novel by most standards, but it's long for you. It's definitely your longest novel. Is that what we can expect from you in the future? <laughs> your as of yet fantastical long novel? Um, is that what's coming next? <laughs> Actually, I, I, I'm writing a novel about that, but I don't know whether it, it is a... An, a short novel or, or a long novel. I don't care about that, but I get what what, what it means as a reader to to, to face the no, a long novel, and that's what I'm kind of writing about. I mean, it's a novel I I, I wrote in English, so so you can imagine how how bad it is the original. Because I, I wanted, I was living in New York, and 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 I came across this idea, and I decided to to to, to write in English. Uh, for the same reasons that that if you would go to a place you can you can you can start a diary in that language and you 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 would really uh, get to something, but not necessarily what I was supposed to get. I mean, it's what it was bad writing, and it's, it was so funny, you know. It, as a, as a, as a as an exercise, it's very good in workshops like. A, uh, to write something in a, in a language you, 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 don't, you don't really know you, or, or to use like 10 words for creating something and the only thing allowed is to combine those words and, 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 and I, I've loved all, all those exercises uh, all my life but uh, in, in, in this case I was living in New York and, and, and I decided to write in, in English and, and to write uh, obviously the, the result was going to be bad but but my idea was to 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 try to make it good you know so, so it was not a, a, it was like a contradiction but at the same time i decided not to use the, the dictionary 
that was a, a rule uh, I, I was I, I was I was playing with. Uh, so sometimes if I didn't know the word door, uh, the character should 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 get out using the window, you know. <laughs> so so, so it, it was a. Uh, some parts of, of that of those movements stayed in the in the in the original, which is something nobody is going to read ever. You know, it's really bad writing. But I did write a novel. But what I'm doing now is uh, translating it into Spanish, and it's really funny because uh, sometimes uh, one page in English is ten pages in Spanish, and sometimes uh, two pages in English is one sentence in Spanish, you know, so, so wow. it's really like, a, because I was dealing, it was a game, obviously, but uh, I, I obviously I, 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 I like that. I mean, I, I, I divide a lot uh, writing um, and then publishing. I mean, to me are two totally different things. And I, I would always want writing to be a, um, a game. I, I I don't want to be a professional. I mean, I'm supposed to be one, but it, it, it's not that I am. I I I, don't, I would I would never publish a book. I feel obligated to. Uh, I, a lot of my writing is 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 is, is about uh, uh, failing and and drafting and 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 I really like that. And I think this is the way you 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 get to to something that later you can turn into a book and publish it and obviously that is a decision uh, but with this book uh, I think I'm I'm right in the moment where I can say that I'm going to publish it someday yeah. or I want it to be to be related to readers and I don't know whether this is going to be long or, or not and it's not going to be uh, a long novel but it is about a long novel in the book, book itself well you you've said that publishing a book contrary to what most people say is not like giving birth to a baby but more like when your kid leaves home yeah i think so and and i think i feel like i can speak for a lot of people that we're grateful that your kid has has arrived in the united states um and i also think it's your your best book child yet um so i wanted to thank just you. i wanted to thank you for being on the show alejandro Thank you for having me. I have to say that I have never given birth. Uh, so <laughs> I was just using the, the metaphor. <laughs> but I do think that uh, you stay with the, with the kid for years and, and then, then they leave and you want them to, to be fine and, and, and to have generous readers like, like you. Uh, so I'm grateful. And, and thank you for this conversation. Sorry for my English. You can be sure I'm smarter or less stupid in, in Spanish. But uh, thank you. It's been really nice and great talking to you. And some of the things you said are, are going to stay with me uh, because I, 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 I really felt that uh, uh, something was, was, was going on when you... Um, when you, well, okay. Estoy hablando muy mal ahora, pero what I mean is that it's been a pleasure. For me as well. We've been talking today to Alejandro Zambra about his latest book, Chilean Poet, translated by Megan McDowell. 
been listening to Between the Covers. I'm David Naiman, your host. Today's program was recorded at the volunteer-powered, non-commercial, listener-sponsored, full-strength, makeshift home office of me, David Naiman. If you enjoyed today's conversation, help ensure the future of conversations just like this by joining the community of Between the Covers listener supporters. You can find out more about all the potential benefits of becoming a listener supporter, from rare collectibles to bonus audio, to the Tin House Early Readership Program at patreon.com slash between the covers. For today's bonus audio, we have a long-form interview with Zombra's career-spanning translator, Megan McDowell, which joins conversations with Jenny Erpenbeck's translator, Kurt Beals, with Fernanda Melchor's translator, Sophie Hughes, with Abdella Taya's translator, Emma Ramadan, and Dubrovka Ugresic's translator, Ellen Elias Bursic, among many others. Again, you can find out more at patreon.com slash between the covers. Or if you prefer a one-time donation, you can do so by PayPal at tinhouse.com slash support. I'd like to thank the Tin House team, Elizabeth DeMeo and Elisa Ogie in the book division, Jacob Valla in the art department, Becky Kramer, publicity, and Lance Cleland, the director of the summer and winter Tin House Writers Workshops. Finally, I'd like to thank Imre Lodbrog and Barbara Browning for creating the outro. Their album, Imre Lodbrog, A Zapatita Me, can be found on iTunes. And Barbara Browning's trove of ukulele covers can be found at soundcloud.com slash Browning. 